Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Jason McGay. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. And yes, I did get a haircut. Thank you. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Well, you know, I'd like to take time to prepare for, you know, when it's my turn to preach on a Sunday morning, to prepare for that and to, you know, prepare a message. And uh, so I take time to do my best to listen and prepare. And, you know, there are some times when the Lord just says, no, we're going to go a different way. And uh, so I was preparing something, and then I thought to myself, man, this is, this is going to be a long sermon. I don't know if I can fit this all in. And I'm praying about that, and then all of a sudden, the Lord was quiet. It was quiet. And I thought, hmm, if he's quiet then I need to be quiet. There's a good clue there about something, about how to hear him. If he's quiet, you should be quiet because it means that you're not listening yet. So I got quiet. And he said, why don't you just talk about me? And I thought, what a novel idea. What a wonderful idea. So I say it like that, but I'm going to talk to you today about Jesus. You know, it's interesting because we, you know, in church culture, there are, there's, you can go online, you can hear all sorts of different messages that are being preached in churches. And it's amazing how few of them actually focus on Jesus. And yet the only reason why we should be here at church, other than each other, is Jesus. That's why we're here. So turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. Now, in this uh, letter, it's from Paul, written to Timothy. And he's giving him lots of instruction and advice. There's some truth and some doctrine mixed in there. And in chapter 2, he's giving him some instructions and says a few things like, um, you know, uh, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And so he he gives him some instruction. And then in verse 7, he says, think over these things that I am saying. And uh, for the Lord will grant you full insight and understanding into everything. I'm reading from the Amplified translation here. And then we come to verse 8. Now, I think, it, yeah, that's the Amplified Translation there. Constantly keep in mind Jesus Christ, the Messiah, as risen from the dead, as the prophesied king descended from David, according to the good news, the gospel that I preach. And I like the fact that he stuck this in here. Because throughout the letter, he's talking to him. Talk, 
is the biblical standard for this other thing over here. And a lot of instruction is going out. But in the middle of that, he says, keep constantly in mind Jesus Christ. And uh, I think that King James translates that as remember. Remember Jesus Christ. And it's such a good word. It's just one little verse, but it's so very important. Because to remember means to keep constantly in your mind, to hold it in front of your mind continually. It's actually, if you have any teaching on, have been taught on what a covenant is about and what a blood covenant specifically is about, remember is a word in, from those times that means to have it constantly in the forefront of your thinking. You know, the best way to describe that is when uh, husband and wife are newly married, and even a little bit before they get newly married. And if you uh, have a friend that's in that situation, and you sit down to talk with this friend over a cup of coffee, I can tell you what the conversation is going to be about. It's going to be about his future wife or his newly married wife, because that is what is constantly at the front of his thinking. Amen. Always. From the moment he gets up to the moment he lies down in bed at night, he's thinking about, this is my bride, this is my wife. This is constantly at the forefront of his thinking. It's not a chore. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it's not work. It's not like, oh, I forgot about my wife. I'm getting married to in you know, in a week and a half from now. I've gone a whole day and didn't even think about her. What is, no, I better, I better hold up her picture or something and think about her. It's not a chore. Right? Okay. Constantly keep in mind Jesus Christ. It's not a chore. It shouldn't be a chore. It should be forefront in your thinking all the time. So, you know, um, today, people in the world, and we ourselves call ourselves Christians. And we took that title based on what we read in the book of Acts. Now, you may have not known that. But in the book of Acts, it talks about um, a place, I believe it was Antioch. And it said, when Paul and Barnabas were there, and it says, this is the place where, the, where people were first, believers were first called Christians. Now, why do you suppose they were called Christians? Christ-like, Christ followers, believers in the Christ, the Messiah. You know why people started calling them that instead of something else? They started calling them that because that was first and foremost in their thinking. That's what came out of their mouth all the time. That is who they were living to exemplify in their lives. The Christ, the Messiah, the Chosen One. The one who has come and set men free from their sins. This is the one that they were talking about. So that is the name that was given to them. People started seeing these believers and saying, oh yeah, those are, those are Christians. They're little Christ-like ones. They follow the Christ. And that's what their reputation was. Because it was constantly in their mind, constantly in their thinking. The Christ. So he goes on to say a few things about the Christ. And that is this. The first one is raised from the dead. 
Now, you can't just say that about everybody, now can you? <laughs> yes. Jesus is the only one who was bodily raised from the dead and never to die again. He's the only one. Now, even when Jesus was on the, on the earth, he raised people from the dead, but they died again. They lived to a ripe old age, I will assume, and then passed. But when God raised Jesus from the dead, that was it. There was no more dying. He is bodily resurrected from the dead. Bodily. Physical body. And at the right hand of God the Father. That's where He is today. You can't just say that about everybody. It's what makes him stand apart. You see, there are lots of religions in the world. Lots of religions in the world. But you see, Christianity isn't a religion. There's lots of religions in the world, but the thing is, is that their God is not a living God like our God is. And Jesus himself is the living one. He died and he was raised from the dead. You know, that is something that we should be majoring on and talking about. There, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, he shall live forever. So even if your body goes into the dirt from whence it, from whence it came... You still live. You cross over from death into life when you believe in Jesus. And you live eternally. And one day, Jesus will raise your body from the ground, and it will become like his body is. Eternal. When Jesus appeared to his disciples after he had been raised from the dead, after his crucifixion and raised from the dead, he appeared to them. And when he appeared to them, he appeared in this physical body. Do you remember the story about Thomas? Doubt, we always call him Doubting Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas. I don't think anyone calls him that in heaven, though. I don't, I don't think people call him that. And I don't think when you get there, you don't want to call him that either. You don't want to call him Doubting Thomas. Because I'm sure that's not relevant any longer, Right? Anyhow, the reason we call him that is because the other disciples saw Jesus before he did. And the other disciples were like, we saw the Lord. He's risen from the dead. And they were ecstatic. And he said, you know what? I refuse to believe it. No. And comes up with a whole bunch of scientific reasons why Jesus could not have been raised from the dead. It's mass hysteria, you know, and all this other junk. And says that or something like that. I'm, you know, adding that in there. But says, I refuse to believe it. No, 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 no. If he's really raised from the dead, he's going to appear to me. And I want to put my finger in the hole in his side. Because, you know, he was crucified. That spear went into his, into his body. I, you know, I, I know that. I saw that. that it's there. I want to put my finger in the side so I know that's the same Jesus, not some other person masquerading as Jesus. The same one. I want to put my fingers in the holes that went into his hand from where the nail went. 
That's, I want to touch him so I know this is the same Jesus that was crucified, the same one risen from the dead. I want to know. I, we call him Doubting Thomas because he didn't believe the report that Jesus is alive. Did you know that's the same message that we are speaking today? That's part of the gospel. He says right down here in verse 8, according to the good news that I preach. That's the good news. This same Jesus was raised from the dead. And so Doubting Thomas, again, don't use that when you get to have this. Doubting Thomas said, I re- I'm not going to believe until I can actually handle him. And then I'll believe that he was actually physically raised from the dead. Right? And you know what? Jesus obliged him. When he appeared a second time, he just showed up in the room. The Bible says the doors were closed, and yet there he is in the room, and he didn't open the door to get into the room. And yet he has a physical flesh and blood, flesh and bone body like you and I have. Isn't that amazing? So he just showed up, and he said, Thomas, quit being unbelieving. Look, here, come put your finger in my side. Here, put your finger in the holes in my hand. He obliged him. And of course, Thomas, and if you and I were in that position, would have done exactly the same thing and fallen on our face in front of him and said, my Lord and my God. There was no denying that. There's no denying that Jesus is who he says that he is. He is Lord and he is God. Hallelujah. We would do the same thing that Thomas did. And he said, you know, blessed are those who have believed and have not seen. And so every one of us here today who has heard that message of Jesus being raised from the dead, every one of us here who has believed that, yes, he was physically raised from the dead, imperishable. He'll never die. He conquered death. We've been singing about that this morning. Every one of us who have believed that and have never seen him with your physical eyes, we are very blessed. Are we not? You believe that and you got born again. You believe that and you crossed over yourself from death into life, never to die again. Hallelujah. That is for us and we are blessed because of it. Hallelujah. So good. Let's talk about another thing he said here. As prophesied, king descended from David. Descended from David. So you see, the Jewish people had a promise. They had a promise that one from the line of David, from his descendants, would sit on the throne forever and rule Israel forever. So you, when a king becomes a king in Israel, they would anoint that king. They would anoint him, and that would be God's blessing and God's uh, appointment to that position and authority as king over all of Israel. And David was anointed king of Israel. And so this promise that God gave David was that one from his own line, 
would sit on his throne forever. And that would be the anointed one, which is what the word Messiah means. The anointed one. The one who would be king over Israel forever. King over Israel forever. The gospel that we preach is that not just is Jesus king over Israel forever, but he is king over all people forever. And not only is it a kingdom over Israel, it is a king, the kingdom of heaven that all of the earth is subject to. So what is, what is the message that we preach? I know, that's a big question. A lot of you can answer a whole lot. We preach that Jesus is Lord. That's what we're preaching, are we not? We're not preaching that circumstances are Lord. We're not preaching that we ourselves are Lord. We're not preaching that. We are proclaiming that Jesus himself is Lord. And that he is Lord of all. You know, you say that and people look around and go, they look at the, what the condition of the world is and say, is this what Jesus is Lord over? And they look at that. You know, they said a similar thing to Jesus when he was on the earth. That was their attitude to him. Because they wanted to, they wanted to make him king, but they didn't realize that he was there to save them. They're trying to make him king right then and there, some of them. And the Jewish, some of the Pharisees and the leaders there, they were not accepting Jesus as their king. They didn't want him to be their king. So there was lots of opposition then. But the fact remains that Jesus is Lord. When God raised him from the dead, he made him Lord of all. And in making him Lord of all, this is the hope that we look forward to for when Jesus returns. When Jesus returns, guess what? Yeah, for us who are on that side, it's party time, in a sense. But for those who are not, it's not a good day. But the fact remains that Jesus is Lord. And this is part of what it is that we are preaching and declaring is it's part of the gospel. It's like one of the main points. Often we position the, position the gospel because through what Jesus can do for you here and now today. And he absolutely can and he absolutely does. We position it that way sometimes, oftentimes. You know, because you look at the life of Jesus and what did he do? Yeah, he healed the sick. He went about doing good healing all those oppressed of the devil, right? That's what he did. So we see that about him, and we look at that from how it benefits us. And we go, oh, he can help me. And certainly he can. And he, yeah, he can, he does, he will. But that's not the entirety of the message. The entirety of the message is centered around Jesus is Lord. He is Lord of all, and all men will give an account one day. All men will give an account to him. 
this shouldn't be foreign to us and to our ears, right? This should be something that we're well acquainted with. And there should be no one who is a Christian that is dreading that day. There really should not be. There should be no Christian that goes, ooh, man, that day when I stand before him and you're a little apprehensive and a little... You shouldn't be like that. And the reason I can tell you that in that way, that you should not be like that, is because, first of all, the Bible talks about us looking forward to that day. The Bible talks us to hasten that day, looking forward to him, welcome, say, come, Lord Jesus. It tells us that it's going to be a glorious day for us because it will demonstrate how he has saved us and delivered us and vindicated us and made us right with the Father and given us eternal life and an inheritance that lasts forever. These are the things that he has done for us, and that day will show it plainly and clearly, and all will see it. So there is nothing to be worried or concerned about. And if in your heart you tremble at that thought, you need to have your conscience right with the Lord. If you call yourself a Christian and you tremble at the, at the, at the thought of standing before Jesus on judgment day, then you need to make sure that your heart is right with him here on this day. Because it should not be something that we resist or, ooh, I don't know about that. The Bible says that there's fear of punishment, that fear has torment in it because there's, there's fear of punishment. But there shouldn't be any of that for us. And why is that? Because when Jesus was here, he laid down his life for you and I as a sacrifice to pay for all of the wicked things that mankind has done. And when you have received Jesus as Lord, you have received his sacrifice for your sin. And God has made you righteous in his sight. And you stand clean and holy and pure before him. And this is the gospel that we're preaching. So that when Jesus comes on that last day and you stand before him, you are clean and clear and there is nothing wrong. You know, as a child, I have brothers and sisters, two brothers and a sister. So as the kids in the house, you know, if someone, we're all playing together, let's say, and, you know, we're all in the same area, in the same room or something like that, and someone tips over, you know, a glass and it breaks on the floor, and all of a sudden you hear mama coming. What was that? You know, the person who did that is the one cowering in the corner going, Mama's coming. Look what I did. And trying to quick hide, hide, hide. But you know, the others in the room that didn't do it, they're like, over there. Over there. They are not afraid of Mama coming. They're not afraid at all. Because what? They didn't do it. Funny example, yes? Analogy. But hey, Jesus is coming. And you and I can go, we're clean. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're clean. We're clean. Forgiven, forgiven. Clean. Not me. He's, he's, not, he's not mad at me. He's not coming for me in that sense, not, you know, to punish me. But that is exactly the case of what our Lord has done for us. He's done that for the whole world. If they would just know it and believe it, it's theirs. And men couldn't see that when he went to the cross. They're like, 
Look at this prophet, said all these great things, and there he is dying on a cross. Must have been nothing. They couldn't see what it was that he was doing for us. They thought in Isaiah 53, the Bible says that they looked at Jesus and thought, that must be God punishing him. Look at that. That's what they thought of Jesus hanging on that cross. God's wrath must be coming on him because he must be a false prophet or something, saying he's the son of God. Look at that. There he is getting his just punishment on the cross. And Isaiah 53 tells us that, no, he was there with our sin. It was our wrongdoing. It was what we did against God that he himself was taking the punishment for. That's what he was doing there. And the men around him looked and pointed and said, oh, yeah, look at that. Not realizing that he was there with their own sin, which is why Jesus at that time could look down from the cross and say, he didn't say things like, well, you just wait and see what's coming. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is the great mercy of our Lord, the great mercy of our God, that even when He is on the cross for our sin, not because He deserved it, not because He did anything wrong, but because we did, and He Himself is taking the punishment for all of that on the cross in our place instead of us being punished for sin. He's the one taking that for us. And he can look at those who don't understand, who don't realize what's happening, who are mocking and accusing and slandering. He can look at that and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is our great God. That is our Savior. That is our Lord who does that. Now, if he can do that in a moment like that, and you know, we really have so little concept of of what that must have been like. The only time that you really get, well, maybe not, I shouldn't say the only time, but I would say that every Christian has some understanding of it, at least a little bit, when they realize the darkness and the, the torment and the misery of, of a sinful life that you used to be in, and then Jesus took you out of that, and you're not in that anymore. So you have some frame of reference on a personal level because you can say, at least my experience, I know what it's like to live in darkness and sin and be dominated by the devil and be just miserable and reaping the results of all the wrong things that I've done and failure and all of that. At least I can have some concept of that. That that's not any, Jesus took the, the sin of the whole world upon himself and the punishment for it. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he who knew no sin was made to be sin so that you and I could be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The whole reason he did that was so that you and I can stand clean before God the Father. And not pay the penalty for all of eternity for, the, for wasting our lives in sin and pleasures here on the earth. This is our representative, Jesus. This is our great God who became just like you and I. He became like us. He took on flesh. He knows what it's like to walk in your shoes. He knows what that's like. 
Don't be one that says, God, you don't understand. You don't know what it's like. No, he knows exactly what it's like. He's walked more than a mile in our shoes. So, yes, he was tempted at all points, just as we are. He knows what it's like, but he did not sin ever. And he didn't do that for himself. He did that for you and for me, for all of us. He was thinking about you. He was thinking about me. He, was, he had us on his mind when he went to the cross. And in Hebrews chapter 12, you can read about that. He endured it. He despised the shame. The word despise means to make little of it. He said, this is nothing. You can mock me. You can beat me. You can put me on a cross. This is, I'm not making anything of it. And he could do that because of the joy of seeing you and I together with the Father in heaven for all of eternity. He could see that even in his worst moment, separated from God the Father himself like we were. Even in that worst moment, he could still envision the joy of bringing many sons to glory. He could still see that in that moment. And in that, he could see the future. He could see the joy of all of these people that will come to know the Father and live forever. Forever free from death. Forever free from the devil. Forever free from temptation and sin. And he could see this happening. And he said, that is the joy that I'm looking forward to. And in the book of Isaiah, it says that, he will, that Jesus himself is full of the joy of the Lord. That Jesus himself sees the travail, the fruits of the travail of his soul. In the travail that he went through by taking on the sin of the world, Jesus has seen the fruit of that sacrifice. When he sees you and me worshiping God the Father. When he sees us called by the name of Jesus, identified as Christians, ones who follow the Christ. Ones who, like Jesus, don't serve ourselves, but serve Him and one another in His name. We are those, hallelujah. He has made us to be like Himself. He has made us to be as He is to the Father. He has made us His brothers and His sisters, hallelujah. Children of the Most High God. This is who He has made us to be. And although we can look around at our lives today and say, well... I don't see the fullness of it. Don't look at that. Look to Him. Look to the future. Look to what it is that He has in store for us. That should be our focus and allow us to run our race that we have here on the earth. Hallelujah. Let's look at another verse that's similar to that. As soon as I can unlock my phone. There we go. Uh, John 12 and verse 12. Uh, Sorry, uh, John 12 and verse 32. I said verse 12. That's incorrect. Verse 32. 
verse 32 says this. Jesus is speaking here. He says, and if I, sorry, and I, if and when, so it means when, I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw and attract all men to myself. Hallelujah. Now, verse 33 says, he said this to signify in what manner he would die. Hallelujah. So he was. He was lifted up on the cross. He was lifted up. And that cross calls out to all men. That cross calls out to all men and says, the Father loves you. He sent his son for you. He took his son, took your place and died bearing your punishment. And if you put your trust in him, you will be free from sin forever. And be restored to be a son and a child of God. That cross calls out today. That is the message that we're preaching. This one, Jesus, our great God who took on flesh to be like us, to save us from our sins and purchase us to be His own. His own special people, His valued people, His treasure. That's what He's done for us. And He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men, not just the Jewish people who were there, all men, to Himself. Hallelujah. But you see, when he rose from the dead, he was raised and exalted and lifted up. We sang about that this morning. Lifted up. He was lifted up to heaven. Lifted up to be seated at the right hand of the Father. He was exalted and glorified. Hallelujah. Exalted and lifted up. Glory to God. That is His position, and that is His place, and He is our Lord. He is high and exalted and lifted up at the right hand of the Father, praise God. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. So John says in another place here, well, it's in the book of John, but Jesus Himself said, He said that He's talking about the Holy Spirit, like rivers of living water flowing from your innermost being. And then John puts in there and says, this Jesus was speaking about of the Holy Spirit who was not given until Jesus was raised from the dead and glorified. And you can read in Acts chapter 2 about that. Jesus was raised from the dead, glorified, seated at the right hand of God, and poured out the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Ghost lives in us. So that we can have that life that Jesus showed us how to live. So that the life that Jesus lived could be reproduced in us. Not on our own strength. Not because we're trying really hard to be good Christians. But because Jesus himself lives from within us. This is the truth of the gospel that is miraculous and wonderful and powerful. And it's beyond human comprehension with our limited understanding. 
But the very Messiah who came to save men from their sins and is alive today lives on the inside of his people. The same one, the same Christ, Christ within you, the hope of glory, praise God. He himself, by the Holy Ghost, lives in his people. He has not left you alone. You are not by yourself, hallelujah, trying to be good, trying to live up to a standard, trying to live up to the standard Jesus set. He didn't leave you alone. He put the Holy Ghost inside you and he is with you forever and he himself lives in you. He himself abides in this temple, the temple that we are, the temple of the Holy Ghost. He himself lives in here. Oh, hallelujah. The same Jesus that walked the shores of Galilee is alive today and lives inside his people. The same one. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father's invisible to people. People can walk around this earth in darkness and not see the Father. Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. Jesus said, it's the Father who lives within me. He is doing the works whenever a blind eye was opened. Or a back healed or, or any sort of miraculous thing that took place. When Lazarus was called out of the tomb, raised from the dead. When all sorts of manner and sickness and disease was healed. And the people were healed in his presence. Wherever the devil was driven out, the madman of Gadara, as we call him, full of devils, until Jesus came. Hallelujah. And Jesus came and drove that devil out, and that man was set right in his mind, praise God. Liberated from the oppression of that wicked devil. Jesus made him free. Jesus said, it's the Father in me who does the works. Jesus himself said, I can't do anything of myself. I can only do what the Father shows me. But he shows me everything. Hallelujah. And so when you saw Jesus on the earth, we saw a picture, a visible representation of the life and the person of our great God and Father. We saw what he is like. That's why they were so amazed at Jesus, because they could handle him. And this is the word of life. And they could handle him. They could, they could grab a hold of him <coughs> Excuse me. and see him and talk to him. And they were so amazed at that. And if you and I were there on that day, we would be amazed too. And no different. But you see, Jesus said, it's better that I go away. I mean, the disciples were crying. They're upset. I mean, we like to, you know, we, we talk about it from a, you know, as if we wouldn't be like that. But I'm fairly certain that if we were there at that time, we would be exactly the same way as they were. There are men and women, men and women just like we are. So it would be the same. And they are upset because he's going away. They're so upset they couldn't hear everything that he was telling them. But he made sure to let them know that it's better that I go away. Because if I go away, 
if he dies on that cross, is raised from the dead, lifted up to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. He said, if, if I go away, then I will send the Comforter to you, the Holy Ghost. And it's better because the very life that Jesus exemplified, the Holy Spirit lives that life in and through us, his people. That's why it's better. The same Jesus that walked the shores of Galilee lives in his people by the Holy Spirit. You don't just get to walk. You know, people go and take trips to the, to the Holy Land and, you know, they follow around on a tour to the different things where Jesus was and what he did. Oh, here's Galilee. These are probably the shores that he walked on. And, you know, this, is, this could be a house like he lived in. And, and, and I know here's the Garden of Gethsemane. We think it's right here. And this is where Jesus was on the night that he was betrayed. And that's great. That's wonderful. And we get a picture of like, oh, this, you really do. And it does help us mentally at times because you get a real sense of like, Wow, he was here. This is the place where he was. And you get a real sense of that in your, in your mind. And yet, here he is, living in here, living in you. The same one that walked those shores lives in his people. The same one. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Hebrews 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah, the Savior, Lord, is always the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. You know, there are times where... You know, if I'm going through something personally, notice those words, going through, not getting stuck in. If I'm going through something, because we all go through stuff, oftentimes this scripture will come to mind. You know, the word of God will speak to you even in your darkest hour. His word will be a lamp to you. It'll speak to you from within your heart, and he comforts you through his word that way. And this verse often will come up in mind. He's the same. Jesus hasn't changed. He's exactly the same. And to me, that means I can count on him. I can rely on him. I can depend on him. Hey, I was a mess in the world, and he rescued me from it. I belong to him, praise God. He's the same. I can always depend on him. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change. Now, we get to change, but He's not changing. The same one that walked those shores of Galilee, the same one who taught in the synagogues and preached the gospel on the mountainside, the same one that fed the 5,000, the 4,000, the same one that healed the leper and multitudes of people, the same one who showed forgiveness and compassion, who was strict against sin and yet loved the sinner, where all the sinners thought he was just wonderful. That same one has not changed. He's exactly the same way today. 
He is Lord of all, high and lifted up, and yet by His own Spirit, He lives in us. And in the previous verse we were reading, where the Bible says that, where Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And in the same way, if He's lifted up in our lives, if He's lifted up on the cross in our lives as the one who has sacrificed Himself for the sin of the world, if He's lifted up in our own lives as the one who's raised from the dead and lives forevermore, if He's lifted up in our hearts as the glorious and exalted Lord of all, the King of kings, who abides forever, that one rules and reigns in justice and righteousness. If, if He's lifted up in our lives, in our hearts, and in the way that we live every day, then people will be drawn to Him through us. I will draw all people to myself. They will see something about you and say, there, people are people, and there's all different kinds, but there's something different about you. And the only answer is, it's Jesus living in me. It's Him. He's the one that makes the difference. He is the one that makes the difference. The whole earth and all flesh will fade and pass away. Its glory is like the flower. It's here today and wonderful and gone tomorrow. But He never fades and passes away. His word never fails or passes away. He remains forever. And because you are in Him, your body might fade and pass away one day, but you never will. And even at that, there will be a day that He restores your own physical body to be glorified just as His is. And that's the hope that you and I have as believers. But He never fades and passes away. And people will see that. People will come to know that when He is exalted in our lives. When we share the gospel with people, it's Jesus that we are sharing. And it must be Him. Yes, He does wonderful things for us. Yes, He helps us. And, and that will never stop. That's just how He is. But it isn't the benefits that we are selling people. It's Jesus Himself that we are presenting. Oh, hallelujah. It's the same Jesus that we are presenting. We are telling people that Jesus will save them from their sin. They're ungodly habits. We are telling people that Jesus will liberate them from those circles that people walk in. And it's more like a downward spiral. And struggle as they might to get free. In the end, they will never be unless Jesus makes them free. And that's exactly what he came to do. And that is the message we are sharing with them. Jesus is the one who makes the difference. He's the one that sets you free from the bondage to sin. He's the one that sets you free from the consequences and heals you from the consequences of sin. He's the same one. He did that on the shores of Galilee. He does that today. The thing is, He does that through you and I. 
We go in his name, not our own. We're not trying to get Jesus, get people into the Jesus club. We are bringing Jesus to people because he goes in us. His spirit lives within us and we go in his name. That's the one that we're representing. Our life in this earth, you can enjoy it. He gives us all things richly to enjoy in life. So do enjoy it. But don't put your hope and your confidence and don't make your decisions in life based on it. Our lives are hidden with God, with Christ in God. When He's revealed, then we're there together with Him. So we don't live like this is the only thing that we're ever going to do. Because it's not. But what we do have in this life is opportunity to let Jesus shine through us so that others can see Him in the midst of their darkness. That they can see that there is hope. That they, they can see that there is a way out. And that they need not suffer any longer. That is the light that we want to shine from within us. We want Jesus to shine from the inside. Hallelujah. And all men will be drawn to Him. That's the gospel we preach. That's the gospel that we are sharing with people. There is an answer. His name is Jesus. There is a hope. His name is Jesus. He's not a religion. He is alive today. And He lives in us. Can you say amen to that? Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at